This is Building Optimal, a podcast to help builders and remodelers take your construction business to the next level. Welcome to another episode. If you're anything like me, you may not be a huge social media guru. You're probably working on getting shit done rather than sending out a bunch of tweet storms. Now, I don't know, maybe some of y'all are big tweeters or grammars or whatever they're calling it now. It's the world we live in, actually. And in fact, the world is changing. Grasshopper. But there's a lot of benefit for us to create a social media strategy. And who's better to mentor us than a tiny home builder out of Chicago named Bob Claricio? Bob is the owner and founder of Bantam Built Tiny Homes. He's amassed a very strong social media following with about 50,000 followers on Facebook, 16,000 on Instagram, the gram for you young kids out there. He's got hundreds of thousands of views on YouTube. And best of all about this episode and having Bob as our constructor, he's one of those no holds barred Chicagoans. So he has some very strong views on the subject. And he's also created a very structured system to help you build your social media following. So take a listen and enjoy the episode. Okay. Uh, first, for a little background, why don't you tell us about your company, exactly how you guys use social media and where you're standing right now in terms of like the impact that you guys have had with social media yeah so three three and a half years ago 2015 you know we started this tiny house company at the time it was titan tiny homes and then we just recently did a name change to bantam built is the new name and uh one of the cool things about social media is a name change isn't as daunting as we once perceived, right? So we are able to just change our name and keep our followers, which I think is a huge asset. And we had to change URL links and things like that. But so we're still trying to get going with Google and and that sort of thing. That's why I'm so grateful that we invested the time and energy that we have in the social media, because even something like a name change it didn't affect anything because we just changed our social media profile names and we move on. But the real silver lining of the social media stuff was when we started the tiny house company, the late August, September of 2015. And really I made a decision to turn it into a full blown business and become a national manufacturer of these kind of hybrid RV trailers called tiny houses in October of 2015. And I don't know what we thought was going to happen, but we completely underestimated the amount of money budget wise it was going to take to launch a national manufacturing brand. And I think in part was because of the TV show that we were, we built the first tiny house for, for a TV show called tiny house nation. And we were expecting that to air before the holidays And it kept getting pushed back and pushed back. So it became this carrot on the stick. Like once this episode airs that we're going to change the world, it's going to change our lives. The phone's going to ring off the hook and just everything that you would assume would happen from 
a TV show. And finally, it didn't air until July of 2016. And um, when it did air, the phones never rang any more than they already did before. And so the TV show didn't do anything for us. And so thank God it, it aired so far in the future. Because what we had to do from that time and what we've done ever since, we just had to hurry up and get going with no real resources or money or budget. So social media was free. And what I liked about it was you could get into these Facebook groups, you could get on these posts, and you could really start to just become an influencer and an expert. And people started to respect you for the opinions and the things that you have to say. And I remember at that time, there was no Facebook Live. So I would make these videos. I'm and I didn't have like a webcam or anything. I had this, had an old iPad and I would record these videos and then I would upload them to Facebook. And they'd be like these like two minute little rants and, and it would just be like whatever pissed me off that day, you know, or like whatever about this new industry that I was a part of, I didn't like, or thought was ridiculous. Like at the time people were charging for design quotes you know, we'll, we'll do a drawing and we'll give you a quote, but it's going to cost you like 250 or $300 retainer, or they would do like some sort of retainer, but they would always call it like a design fee. So I just made a video that just promised people that I would never charge them for a conversation. And it went nuts and it went nuts in a negative way. It wasn't even consumers that pushed the video to go to some sort of micro viral state, I would call it at that time. It was the other manufacturers. They would get on there and they would like leave comments like, you don't know what you're talking about. You're inexperienced. You'll see. And what they didn't realize was they were just identifying themselves as I'm one of the guys that he's talking about. And so then I realized that not everything always has to be positive. And I think one of the things that people concern themselves with social media wise is this when you're doing videos and things like that, it's okay to be on that cusp of being vulnerable a little bit. You know, I say that there's, there's eight traits to getting something to go viral that could revolutionarily just change your brand and really get awareness out there. And people think that virality or the, the idea of something goes viral is all by chance. And I say there's eight things. These are like the eight things that I've learned that make something go viral. And you can do it over and over and over again. And the first thing is you got to tell a story. You know, as, as human beings, our appetites for story is a reflection of just basic human needs to understand patterns of life. So stories are a way that we reach out to people and emotionally can connect. And what causes something to go viral is we want to share the same feeling that we just had by looking at a piece of content, whether it's a picture or a video, and we want to share that with somebody, whether it's a holy shit, you got to see this um, kitchen, you know, look at this cool picture on Instagram of this kitchen. And that's when you'll get like the comment tags, right? Or a bathroom or something like that. Or you do a how-to video. It's like really cool on some you know, life hack that somebody can clean their P-trap out like way faster than taking it all apart or whatever it is. There's things that evoke that, oh, no way kind of thing. Or you tell your story of, of being a contractor or entrepreneur or whatever, because people can relate to that too. 
you got to keep it light. You got to make people laugh. I mean, you want your brand to be associated with positive emotions. So it's not always like doom and gloom, but you want to inspire somebody to take action. And, uh, not only does that cause content to be shared, but it also has a profound impact on the, on the people watching it. And, uh, every once in a while you got to have like an unexpected twist and, one of the things that I recently did was I made a rant video a couple about a month ago, put it on YouTube and I knew exactly what it was going to do, but it works. So what I did is I, the unexpected twist was I just said that one of the things that we always are trying to fight for in the tiny house space is zoning and better, um, better zoning for the product. But I also believe that it's a waste of time and that it really doesn't make that big of a difference considering there really isn't the best financing out there for the product anyways. So I feel like until financing solved, you can have all the zoning in the world, but nobody can buy the product. What the hell is the difference? So I had an unexpected twist on it. So the video started off with me saying it's a big waste of time, but then I got into why, and then you can change somebody's opinion. And since it's an unfavorable topic or viewpoint, it'll get shared. And it did, it did pretty well. And so people love an underdog too. So I think that we overcomplicate the social media process, you know, whether it's, I don't have a good enough camera or I got a crappy cell phone or I don't do well on camera or I'm awkward or I don't, my voice doesn't sound well or whatever. Nobody gives a shit because the entire world is awkward. You know, there's, there's a very small percentage of the entire population that's you know, photogenic, sounds great on camera, knows when to pause. I mean, those things come with experience. There was a time when I didn't have any subscribers on my YouTube channel and now over 9,000, which still isn't really even a lot. I mean, if the first videos are very cringeworthy, you know, it was like me, tripod, I'd like set it up. I remember one video I had like the the remote uh, infrared thermometer thing and I'm going around and checking temperatures and freezing cold weather one year and it was total crap and i don't like watching my my videos because it's cringeworthy but <laughs> people relate to that because we're all cringeworthy you know i want to mention something while you're on the topic one of the things that i've enjoyed about interviewing you is is uh you kind of say it like it is and, and you're authentic and and you call yourself out for some of your shortcomings or mistakes you've made, which so many people are so guarded against. And the reason why I'm pointing that out is because you mentioned something earlier about kind of being authentic and vulnerable. And that is a, uh, something that it feels, it feels like it's the wrong thing to do, but people connect with that because it, it, it creates, I don't know if it's sympathy or, but it creates some sort of connection with the, with the audience. Have you found that? Yeah, I think that it breaks the ice. It breaks the glass ceiling. Um, we all have our favorite people, right? You know, whether they're actors, actresses, YouTubers. And the thing that always fascinates me is we live in a society of, of celebrityism, and now everybody wants to be an, a celebrity, you know? And I got news for you. There's never been one time that a sandwich picture on Instagram's ever gone viral because nobody gives a shit what you had for lunch. You just don't care. Right. But so that's, that's a perfect example right there 
that's an emotion that only gets evoked from you, right? So like, oh man, this is really good. So I'm gonna take a picture of it. But if you ever looked at like any picture of any food that anybody's ever taken, it always looks like leftovers on there. But the reason I bring that up is you want to share the things that matter to somebody else. And I know that it's like a hard thing to say. And I know that it kind of goes against a lot of what we're taught to mentally. We should care most about ourselves and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And we shouldn't care what other people think. But if you're trying to navigate the social media game, you know, the best phrase was by, um, I think PT Barnum, Barnum and Bailey. Yeah. Barnum, uh, the circus guy from Barnum and Bailey's. He had a comment in the, in the movie that just came out a couple of years ago that, um, you know, I only trust the, the opinions of others, not my own. And this idea that there's so much analytics out there for content that if you know that a completed bathroom picture or a completed kitchen picture that's staged with like some simple stuff on the counters or some bath stuff inside the shower, and you can paint that emotion of for somebody so they can envision what it would be like to take a shower or cook a meal uh, in those spaces. And you know those pictures do better because of the analytics that are behind them. Then why are you posting pictures of the new tools that you got? Because you know they don't do any better than a sandwich picture. Yeah. You see what I'm saying? And actually, I've had a similar experience. I, now, so disclosure, I'm, I am far from any sort of social media guru. Okay. I, I mean, we're not consistent. We probably make every mistake in the, in the book and it's something I want to get better at this year. But in my just informal analysis of the things that we've done in the past, whenever we have had a picture about something I thought was cool so say like pouring a slab or whatever, it was like a cool shot of, you know, the boom truck or whatever, that was really cool. And we would put that up there and it was exciting to me. And the private feedback and the and the the reception of something like that was eh, very mediocre at best. And then we go put something up like a picture of uh, a finished bathroom in bright lighting, and that is on a completely different level in terms of how it's received. So, I, I guess what I'm saying is I can testify to that mm -hmm. um, from my own informal experience. And I think what it, it solidifies what you're saying, and this just goes back to basic salesmanship, you, you always want to be looking through the lens of what your customers, what your market, how they're viewing, rather than how you're viewing the same thing. And it's actually a lot harder to do because we naturally view the, the world through our own eyes 24-7. So bottom line, focus on what your, what your clients and what your, what your market what's important to them as opposed to what's important to you. Well, and you know what, that's the, that's the coolest thing about the analytics behind the social media is because you don't have to ask anybody, like you get that information, you know what I mean? And so yeah. that's the virality that I'm talking about. So, but you, let me interrupt you real quick. I think, I think you got to, I don't know if you agree with this. I'm curious your opinion, but I think you got to, you got to segment and you got to understand your market well enough to also know what they value and, and the analytics will show that but but i'll give you an example again if if for us right now for my company a uh, picture of a finished bathroom does really well and we go and do a video on like a cool plumbing hack like you mentioned earlier 
I don't even if it's a cool video, I don't know if if it would do that well just because I think more of our our audience and our community that we've built are people who are more interested in kind of the final design. Whereas another builder in town who perhaps has built more of a, a community of of craftsmen or people like that, that same video might do a lot better on his site just based on his audience. So I agree. I agree with that. Um, <laughs> it's funny you mention this. So there's a fine line and a fine dance here. What I found the best is a mixed bag of both whatever's calling you to do, well, however you want to add value. You know, um, if it's adding value in the form of a contact form, like driving leads to your website, you know, you probably want to stay more honed in on that, on those final completed projects and really paint that lifestyle, feeling, vibe sort of thing. If that's cool, but also you want to show or you want to show more authority, you know, like an expert of, you know, what you're doing or the life hacks and things like that are going to be really good ways to become affiliates of product. So I'll give you an example. Um, we're sponsored by, I don't even know if I'm allowed to say this. I don't really care. We're sponsored by Skillsaw, Bosch, Dremel. Loctite. Uh, that's just that's enough for right now. But they all contacted us. You know, we want you to use our tools on on your social media stuff, or we want to do a segment on this. And I mean, we've gotten some some bigger tool companies that we can't. I know based on our contracts, we can't even speak about the deal. Because the whole impression is, is that, you know, that it's a lifestyle choice by me and, and my team. And it was in some cases, but in other cases, some really cool stuff's been presented to us that we now have implemented into our repertoire as far as the tools we use to build our little homes on wheels. And that's how those affiliates come about. I think, I don't think those, those affiliates won't come about with polished videos and polished Instagram pictures all the time. But having that how-to section and kind of conveying that expertise and having a mixed – see, what I think a lot of people fail to realize is um, – Gary Vaynerchuk says it really well, and I'll just recap it a little bit. He says, this is the first time in, in the history of business where an entrepreneur is being treated like a sports athlete. And it has a lot of relevance when you think about – when you start out in business, and I know that you know, for some of us it was a couple of weeks ago, and for some of us it was almost a decade ago. And you know, I'm 32 years old right now, and I've been an entrepreneur since I was 23. And in October of this year, I'll have my 10-year anniversary, which is a huge deal to me. But I still remember going through some of the motions of other contractors and other people that I looked up to, and kind of acted like I was living, this is going to sound really weird, but I was like living their life or like I was like going through the motions of like, what would their day be like? Because it was all new to me, you know, being an entrepreneur and not having anyone to atone to and meeting with customers at night and doing jobs during the day and just the whole gambit of it. I think that us that have been in business a while, 
we sell ourselves short that we can be a real inspiration to somebody that is just starting out. And the only people that care about competition or all that garbage are those that are just starting out. Because the rest of us that have been in the game more than a few months know that there's plenty of people out there and competition isn't really what it needs to be. And that's all in somebody's head. So I think the bottom line is I think that some of us experienced contractors or experienced entrepreneurs have the ability to really inspire somebody and really make a difference. And those are the people that are going to champion you on social media. Those are the people that are going to share everything. See, like the, the homeowner might only share like the fancy bathroom pictures. But if you've got champions out there, guys that guys and girls, like I know this, this Instagrammer who's a drywaller in Canada and she's got over 22,000 followers on Instagram and she kills it by doing like a full spectrum. She does the finished products. She does the whole thing. And what I find out is in my own social media is the people that are fans of me and like want me to just do well, they share everything. It doesn't matter if it's a cheeseburger picture. I don't post cheeseburger pictures, but you know what I mean? It doesn't matter if it's a concrete boom picture or unloading trailers or the guy working on the saw or the completed product, you know, they share everything. So, and, and they're there for life. The homeowner might only be there for as long as they need a renovation. So I feel like you need both, but those champions will fan your fire. And when they send you those messages, like, Hey man, I really appreciated what you said last week. It really, it really hit me in the right way or it changed my perspective or like, Hey, thanks for sharing that, that cool storage idea. I actually did something similar this week because I saw what you did. You start getting those messages. It only fans your own motivation more. So I would say to those contractors and professionals that have a lot of experience and we all know the mistakes that we've made, they're all different, but we all know that we've made them. And I would say that don't sell yourself short. You could really impact somebody else's life because um, you might not think you're a champion today, but to somebody else, you're you're doing a hell of a lot better than they could imagine themselves or handling a lot more stress or whatever it is. I just feel like as an experienced entrepreneur, you, you have the ability to really impact other people that are just starting out. And those people are their champ. They'll champion you. Like they'll share everything. I don't know. I think I've beaten this point to the pulp, but no, it's a good, it's a good point. You know? Yeah. You said you've got eight steps, which is a lot to cover. So I want to get back to those. I don't know how many steps we've gotten through. Um, I think we, yeah, well, you know, what's funny is I got them written on my wall. So I've gone, I'm I'm going through them as we're talking, which is cool. Oh, so you've already gone through a few. Can, Can we recap right now? So we know which one's a step that you've talked about. Okay. So you got to tell a story. You know, and and people always mess that up. So it's not always, you know, I went to the store today or I went uh, I went to the job site today. That's not the story I'm talking about. Relatability. Tell the story through an Instagram picture. You know, if you're if you're a bathroom remodeler and that's what you do and that's your bread and butter, and maybe you do a few kitchens, but mostly you do bathrooms or whatever or you do 50, 50, whatever it is. Let's say you're a bathroom and kitchen contractor, get a Tupperware bin with some simple things that you can put on the counters or that you can hang in the shower. 
paint that story. When somebody sees that picture and it's staged, they can envision themselves taking a shower there. But when you got a grout trowel and a ladder and a tape measure and it's dusty and you know the lighting's good, but you can see all this other crap, the only thing somebody envisions is stubbing their toe. So they don't they can't envision like taking a shower or something like that. So I always say like stage stage what you're taking a picture of because a lot of us are going to are going to go to Instagram because that's where you know the attention is and that's great. But I would say take the picture stage them, you know, tell that story. You want to inspire people to take action. So in this case, I think it goes back to if you can tell a good enough story, people get the right emotion and they'll want to share or or whatever have some lighthearted stuff, you know, you know, make people laugh. It's always good every once in a while to show your true personality. You know, Instagram's tough for that, but there is Instagram video, even though if you're going to do anything on Instagram, stick to the pictures because videos do like a 10th of the traffic that pictures do. And then, you know, you could have that unexpected twist. So in the case of Instagram, you could have the finished product first finished picture first. Everyone always thinks before and after. Nobody cares what the before was, but the unexpected twist could be you have the completed picture, staged, nice, you tell a story and inspire somebody to take action, and then you swipe to the next one, and it's either the before picture or it's a progress picture, and a lot of stuff that I've done and that I know other contractors that do a lot of Instagram, what they'll do is they'll go like, let's say they got five pictures. The first picture would be finished product. Then the second picture that you swipe through will be a little more completed and they go all the way to the beginning. So people can swipe to the beginning, but instead of going like completed picture to then before picture, people don't know the story. So if you keep the picture synchronized, but in this case, start with the completed picture and go all the way to the finish or, you know, the before picture. You're telling that story. People can follow. You're the only one that was there. None of us were there. So you got to keep that in mind. Well, and that's counterintuitive, but I'd never thought about that before. And it makes sense. You know, the other part of what you're describing with doing the finished picture first is people are making snap judgments in a millisecond. Exactly. And we don't have enough time to really always sort through the truth. So you might have that ugly before picture and people are going through your social media feed so quickly, they may think again in that snap millisecond mm -hmm. that that's your final product or, that that's, right, or you that's your starter picture and we're gonna see other pictures later, but they didn't see the little dots at the bottom of the picture yeah. knowing that there's more pictures to come. Yeah, I would say also, you know, you wanna challenge or confirm people's assumptions. When people hear that they're right or they're wrong about something, their ears perk up. So you could have those interesting facts or maybe do like a meme, you know, or whatever, you know, just keep it creative. And part of that is you have a fresh point of view, um, even about common things. Every single topic that exists can be explained in a million different ways. So I would just say remix is a really good strategy. Yeah, add your own voice to the conversation. Right, so like, here's a perfect example. Everyone's seen the movie Avatar, and everyone's like, oh man, this movie's so badass, it's so cool. But I guarantee you, you tell the most macho of men that it's a remake of Pocahontas, and they'll be like, what? <laughs> James Cameron, 
the director that did the movie and then did uh, Titanic, when they sold Titanic to Fox, I believe. Anyways, the point I'm trying to make is they said it's Romeo and Juliet on a boat. It's about a remix. So if you see a project or you see a picture taken in a certain way or you see something explained in a certain way, you don't want to copy. But if something went viral and it was done a certain way, then remix it. You know, you could, it could be something completely different, non-related, right? You could take some like auto body shop, did some crazy way to clean your hands or something like that. And then you did that for your construction market or whatever, just remixing what you already know proves to work. And that's also remixing your own stuff. You know, if you know that a certain type of picture on Instagram continues to go nuts, then why would you stop? Like people have this idea of variety and like this fear that people get sick of the same thing, but people love what they're comfortable about. And, um, the final one was, uh, have, have an underdog story and, uh, it's okay to be in your pictures. We've been beating a dead horse in the sense that, you know, completed pictures always do better, but that'll get someone's attention. So have a fresh variety of all three, right? Have the fresh variety of, I would say if you're going to pay for ads or something like that, probably just stay to the completed pictures, but then you do want that variety. And we try to keep, I try to keep it to three. I try to keep it to completed product is the first like kind of segment. The second segment is definitely the working in the process. And then the third part is also telling that, that story and making sure that they have characters to identify to. Um, if you're brave enough to do YouTube, then do it. You won't regret it. And I'll give you an example. And I know that we got to get going here, but people don't anticipate they're going to get me on the phone. So when they call, when they see a YouTube video of our walkthroughs of our houses or a DIY video or whatever it is, and they fill out the contact form and then they schedule a phone call an appointment or whatever with us. See, in the videos, I never say that I'm the owner. I never say that I'm the founder. I never say that I'm of any significance. They just know me as Bob on YouTube that does the tiny house videos. Bob, the tiny house builder. But then when I call them, there's kind of like a, there's a moment of that like weird kind of celebrity thing. And it's weird for me to say that to myself or to you, but there's something to be said about that unexpected twist. They never expected to be talking to me on the phone. And now that they do, they feel important, feel like our company is either big enough and cares enough or small enough or smaller than we, they thought. See, as entrepreneurs, we always think we need a big company, but in reality, the consumer appreciates a small company. They appreciate the communication. They appreciate all those sorts of things. So, you know, it's, um, it's an interesting dynamic. Well, psychologically, what you're doing when you're putting out these videos and then they're calling you and it's that moment of uh, surprise that they were able to get in touch with you. The, the other part of that is psychologically an authority that you've built. So now they're they're automatically going to be more trusting of whatever whatever message you have to share with them, which is one of the reasons why I think from a branding perspective, authority is one of the best uh, tools in 
your arsenal to be able to draw upon. Yeah, I mean, that's why I think the how-to stuff is so important. And not maybe not the how-to, but tell a little bit of that underdog story. Tell a little bit of that background because you do want champions. And you don't want champions in the form of customers all the time. Because customers fade in and out of social, you know, your social media. When they need the service, they're there. When they don't, they're their attention somewhere else or whatever. But if you've got those daily guys, and I mean, look, the internet's a big place. So if you got men and women across the country that are carpenters and all sorts of stuff, contractors of whatever kind, and they're getting inspired and fired up by whatever you're putting out. And we all have our own, you know, people that we follow personally that fire us up. I think that that's what really elevates the social media aspect of it is really getting that community aspect out of it. I mean, that's why we're doing this talk right now is to add value to people that maybe just overcomplicate it or whatever. But the bottom, the punchline is, is that in three years we were able to take the tiny house company to a multi-million dollar brand nationally. Um, using social media. And although it's like a necessary evil to use AdWords and mail, you know, not direct mail, but email marketing and things like that, the authority that we built on social media has definitely, and we don't have the strongest numbers. Like we don't have the bit most subscribers, but they're like a pack of piranhas to a negative statement. You know, so that's what you want. You want people to defend your brand. You want people to support you. And that's what you want. Don't be concerned about the numbers. You're going to post things and your subscribers are going to drop. It happens to me all the time. Um, that's when I know that I'm on like the edge of, you know, well, maybe that was a little too much, but it still works. And, um, but then what ends up happening is your content gets out there and then your numbers come right back up. And you just change it up a little bit. And uh, so, yeah, hopefully this was helpful. I know I talked about a lot, but I like to give a little more than just some high level theory. You know, I want to give somebody some take action stuff, you know. Yeah, this was enlightening for me. Did I, I got turned around and I, I was not keeping track of all eight. Did we get through all eight? Yeah, I'll recap them one more time. Okay. One, you want to tell a story. Two, you want to inspire people to take action. Every once in a while, it's good to make people laugh. So I always put that as number three. You got to make make people laugh. You want people to think positive of whatever it is you're doing. Have some unexpected twists and be creative about it. Take it to whatever level you want on that. Uh, you want to challenge or confirm people's assumptions. You want to have a fresh point of view, even about common things. Uh, utilize trending topics. That's the other one I probably didn't talk about. So when there's trending topics in the media or whatever, it's not a bad idea to put a YouTube video out with a similar title to something that's trending that people are already searching anyways. So that's a good way to remix. That's a good way to kind of, that's a good way to have an unexpected twist or a fresh point of view on something. Um, you want to not get too political, but I mean, if there's a trending topic like a uh, the, the ice bucket challenge, I didn't do it, but I'm just saying I should have. You know, those are those opportunities. Whenever there's a trending topic, don't be afraid to not jump on it because you're going to ride those waves. And then uh, 
you know, the other one is then don't be afraid of the underdog story. And that's where a lot of my criticism or being transparent or, you know, that you kind of mentioned, um, that's how I do the underdog story. Everyone's going to do that different. Nobody wants to hear somebody get up there and do a dissertation or a testimony to all their failures or shortcomings. But, you know, everyone has their own way of doing that. I found for myself, I can convey transparency, experience, empathy, all by kind of just being kind of critical on myself, but also um, conveys coming that underdog story because I'm I have no problem talking about my my past or where I came from or whatever. And to all the young people out there, I used to be terrified to walk into somebody's house and give a kitchen quote and have them find out that I was 24, 25 years old. I was terrified of that. So I thought nobody would take me serious. In some cases, they were right. But in other cases, most of the time, they're inspired. And so own your age because chances are nobody's going to care about your age. They're only going to care about your execution. So... I own it. So I'm 32 and I don't care who knows. So, so that's what I have to say, I guess on this. <laughs> what about your, do you recommend everybody brand under their company or should they be using their personal social media or does it even really matter? That's a really crappy good question because <laughs> that's a, that's an ongoing confliction in my own situation. Um, I feel like the personal brand plays out so much better. Let's not fool ourselves. Most of us are small businesses to where we are what it is. So we are the company and the company's us. So YouTube, if you look at most successful YouTube channels, most successful YouTubers, they're, they're names of people. They're not companies. They're not brands. So I mean, this is my argument all the time. This goes back and forth, even with like my own partners. I mean, and I've just always been a firm believer of the personal brand. I mean, the, the damn website is called YouTube. It's not WeTube. It's not CoTube. It's YouTube. And I think there's something to be said about that. And the other thing that I say to that is, you know, although a company may be referred to in the English language as a singular, as an entity or a unit, Everyone sees a company as a huge conglomerate of people. And if you look at the way a television series rolls out, this first season has the least amount of main characters. They establish a narrative. They establish who the characters are. And then they slowly, every season, kind of develop deeper stories amongst those characters and then add a few more as they go along. But they're always taking in. My point here is, is that... When you're talking about film or you're talking about videos in general, most of us, we want to connect to a character and that's it. So you're, if you're doing YouTube videos and it's a company name, but only one person's doing all the videos, then why do you have the thing named? It's a company. It's that that's the character. People are not relating to the company. I mean, they might be, you might get a handful of subscribers, but when something actually gets shared a lot, and your subscribers start to kick into high gear, the vast majority are, they're latching on because they like the character, whoever it is. So I'd say keep the care, keep the amount of people that you have in your YouTube videos to, you know, a minimum, you know, three, four, five or whatever. But I would say name it after yourself because you are the authority. 
you're talking to the consumers, you're talking to the different people that you are, you're establishing your own credibility. And I just feel like it's the easiest way to grow a channel, unless it's something goofy. You know, if it's like some like normal, like episodes, like the same episodes all the time, like hot shots or something like that, where it's the same premise every week and every uploads the same kind of premise and repertoire that's different. But I would say if you're the only one that's going to be in the videos and every once in a while you have somebody else, then the YouTube channel should be named after whoever the person is because they're the character and that's who they're relating to. And that's the vulnerability. That's the underdog. That's the making people laugh. That's the, the inspiring people to take action. They're relating to whoever's on that screen. That's why it's so important to just be yourself. And I was told a statement a couple of weeks ago is how arrogant are you to think that everyone has to like you? And it's so true. The second that we stop caring who likes us, who doesn't, that's usually when the niche gets honed in and then the thing gets in the throttle where you'll find your followers and your people and stuff like that. But I would say most people should stick to Instagram because that's where the attention is. Okay. That's where the contracting, in my opinion, if I was going to do kitchen and baths, brand new company tomorrow, I know I'm kind of throwing my own question out there and answering it at the same time, but um, I talk to myself a lot, so this is okay. <laughs> <laughs> I would say you'd want to launch if I was launching tomorrow, brand new, besides doing some like small budgets with like lead services, the only reason I would do like a lead service, like a home advisor or whatever would be to get the SEO credibility because they're big websites and you can get your backlinks and stuff. But I would have like a very like $20 a month budget, just enough to have a profile up on there. And then I'd be running social profiles and then I'd be doing Instagram and I'd be starting off with a deck that would run 35, 40% high quality completed project images, maybe run like a three stack pictures completed, somewhat completed and before in that order from start to finish. So you're getting the attention of that completed picture because we know those do well. And then they swipe left and you get the unexpected twist of crappy pictures when they thought that they were going to get, you know, the completed thing. But what it does is that then it adds that credibility, like I did this, like I took these shitty pictures and this is what I turned it into. So there's the whole gambit as far as getting something to be shared or, you know, you got to see what this, you got to see what this guy did with this and made it this. In Instagram, I would make a company profile. I wouldn't do personal, personal hit or miss, but Instagram company profiles do well and they, I don't know, that would be my strategy. And then I would, I would buy ads and I'm not ashamed to say it, but I would be buying Instagram ads. Okay. We could have a whole 30 minute on how to do Instagram strategies as far as ads and stuff like that. But the bottom line is upload the Facebook pixel to your website. So you know, the demographic that's coming there off of social media and then run some simple ads like $5 a day. Look, I'm the first person to say it. Facebook is pay to play and Facebook owns Instagram. So if you want more followers, you have to pay to play. It's that simple. There's no serendipity. There's no like random one day you're going to wake up in the morning and you're going to gain like 200 followers on Instagram. You're going to gain attention by what you pay Facebook. It's just the way it is. For a small but, contractor, what do they, 
what should you budget per month? What would be a healthy budget for Instagram or Facebook per month if you're a small contractor? I would say anything other than zero because chances are 95% of whoever the hell is in your market is not doing anything. And the coolest thing about it is you can target to like an exact radius. So I'll give you an example. We, if we run an ad for 20 bucks, it's a national ad. It's hitting all 50 states. And yeah, we're getting a better fan of people. Like we're getting a, a bigger, broader uh, audience. But if you could take that same budget and hone it into 25 mile radius of your shop or your house or wherever you're leaving from every morning and pummel that area, you're going to kill it because nobody else is doing that. You know, you're, we're talking about guys that are worried if their cell phone is good enough to take a picture. I mean, that's what the market is. So yes, your cell phone picture is awesome because the other person isn't doing anything. And so that's where I feel like the covert attention is to be done. It was just like when we launched the tiny house company, everyone's attention was on Google, very little attention on Facebook. Facebook live came out. I did a daily walkthrough with Bob every single day for like 250 days. We grew our Facebook followers with some simple boosting of the, the Facebook lives to like 55,000 people. We've kind of diminished a little bit, but um, we have the solid following. But so it's about being consistent and going where no one else is going. And if you can just do a little bit of what I just said today, you do really well because nobody else is doing it. And that's the point, you know, and when Bosch calls you and it's like, hey, we want you to start using our laser tapes in your videos and pictures and just inconspicuously, we want you to use that stuff. Here's three of them. And then they come in like every couple of months and they ask us like what we think of them and we give them some opinions on it. But when that stuff starts happening, that's when you know like, okay, well, this, this stuff is, works. And I mean, we only have 15,000 people on our Instagram, but they know that. So it doesn't take a huge community to be able to start monetizing your platform. No. Okay. No, I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, I got 9,000 subscribers on my YouTube channel, but the channel cranks out a solid. I'm actually, since we were talking, I was on my YouTube channel. I mean, the average video cranks out an, an average revenue because we monetize the videos of like $2 a month. Okay. I mean, the channel does like 24 bucks. Yeah. You know what I mean? Everyone thinks like we're going to do, you, you're going to do a YouTube channel and you're going to be loaded and you won't have to work anymore. The point of the YouTube channel is to, it's just another platform for the attention. And if you can make a little money in the process, well then so be it. And there's better ways to monetize and all that kind of stuff. But yeah, I mean, the bottom line is tell your story, be real and use a couple of these simple tactics because they're obvious ones and they work. And those were a lot of the mistakes I made in the beginning. Uh, too many of one type of picture or whatever, but just get out there. You just have to do something. Okay. Oh, and hashtags. <laughs> it's a whole nother conversation, but hashtags on Instagram. But that's pretty easy to figure out. Yeah. Hey, before we go, we talked in a previous conversation about just a few uh, hacks to get better photos. Let's talk about that. What are, if I'm recalling correctly, you said something about a DSLR camera. You said something about a fish 
lens and then you talked about the Adobe Lightroom app on your phone. Can you walk us through a few of the hacks for, for better photos? Yeah. So one of the things that I strongly recommend is I'm actually on my computer. I'm just going to look this up because I want, I don't want to misquote this, but I'm going to say, uh, I'm just going right to the, the internet for this one. Smartphone fisheye lens. Yeah, that's exactly what I thought. There's a ton of these out there. So all you got to search on the internet is smartphone fisheye lens or any kind of phrase like that. And what you're going to get, well, you'll get pictures or products that look like clothespins, like from a clothesline, like it's a little or a chip clip. And it clips right over your lens on your camera, on your phone. And they usually come with 10, 15 different lenses and you can change them and they're all different style lenses. But what you're looking for is you're looking for something like that 10 millimeter lens that's going to give a fisheye effect or just right before it becomes like fisheye where you're looking through like a, a globe and it's going to open up that room. One of the hardest thing, hardest picture in the world to take is of a bathroom especially a standard like five by seven or a five by eight bathroom is a total pain in the ass to try to take a picture of. And then the only way you really get a good picture is like you got to stand outside the bathroom and then you're trying not to get the door frame in the picture. It's just it's a big pain in the ass. So I would say on a budget level, you get the fisheye lens. It just clips right over your cell phone camera lens. It'll completely change the perspective of that camera and open that thing way up. And these lenses are designed for that. You just got to get the right one that matches with your cell phone that you have. And, and they're like 15 bucks. You can have that thing clipped in your tool pouch or whatever. And then you just pull your cell phone out and you're like, Oh, this is cool. And you just take a picture. I feel like the next step up from there would definitely be the DSLR camera, the fuzzy uh, road microphone and you know, doing the whole YouTube thing, but I would only go that route. I use a Canon ADD camera with a Sigma lens and it's a whole depth of a conversation, well, let's, but let's bifurcate this because this is high value stuff you're talking about here. So, uh, for photos, you've mentioned the, the fish lens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll stay on topic. No, no, no. It's okay because I, I also wanted to hit the, the point about the Adobe Lightroom. You you mentioned that to me, and I've downloaded it since we talked, and I think it's a awesome app to use. It's trippy, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, so Adobe Lightroom, and it's free. Yeah, so download the Adobe Lightroom free app, and it'll change the way that you take pictures on your phone. If you pay nine bucks, you could do a ton of other stuff that's just insane. Like if you forgot to take a screwdriver off the counter of a <laughs> picture, it you it's so easy to do it. Like the stamping technology that's in that program is crazy. Like you'd be in your truck, you'd be like, oh no, I left a freaking screwdriver on there and you're about to post something or whatever. You could go in and, and in most cases you can eliminate whatever you don't want. Yeah. It's phenomenal. It's really cool for, again, like under 10 bucks and you own it forever. But I, I don't even pay for it. I have the free version myself and I like it a hell of a lot better than using Instagram app. That's just, it's just easier. And, uh, the reason it works so well is because the cameras take 
pictures with so much information that you don't know is there. So a lot of times a more, I don't want to say dimly lit, but there's in photography, there's underexposed and overexposed. So overexposed is more white. It's like bright, it almost looks nuclear. You can't do a lot with that picture. You can bring color out of an underexposed picture, but an overexposed picture is exactly what it sounds like. It's nuclear. It's got that white vibe to it. It just doesn't work well. So, so don't be so worried about lighting because with the cameras on our cell phones, as long as the lighting is just okay, you can take it into Adobe Lightroom and you can draw that aperture open. You can overexpose that picture. You can do more with it. Um, but you should definitely edit your pictures before you post them. You should put some depth to them, do some color correction. And it doesn't, even if you just hit the auto button on that app, it changes the picture completely. So I completely endorse that, that app for sure. And, uh, those would be the things that I would do. Okay. Let's talk about the video too, because you do these, these YouTube videos and what are the, the hacks for the, for the videos? I think you were starting on that before I stopped you. Yeah, I would say use a cell phone to do YouTube videos until you absolutely can't accomplish what you're trying to do. And the reason I say that is I love photography and I love taking videos and pictures and all that kind of stuff. But carrying around a 15-pound rig, meaning like a, a professional camera, is a pain in the ass. And so I'm not that type of photographer. So I'm more like in the moment. And I learned to be really creative with my cell phone. So I would say, use your cell phone for everything. Look, you can go get like a really nice Android or an iPhone that's got, you know, 4K camera capability that before a couple of years ago, you would have had to pay $20,000 to get that kind of technology. And it's in your hand, it's in your phone. And unless you know how to work the high powered cameras, they actually take shittier pictures until you learn how to work them. So what ends up happening in short is you end up never using the DSLR unless you use it all the time. Well, now, I mean, our videos have gotten to the point where there's a lot that we can't do with the cell phone when it comes to editing and the way we record audio in some cases. And so we do use a DSLR camera and in particular use a Canon ADD. That's eight zero letter D, not ADD, even though I have that too. <laughs> but uh, I would just say use your cell phone as much as possible. They make tripods and selfie sticks and gimbals and all that stuff. I would say if you're going to do videos, you know, invest in a gimbal, you know, the gyro, the electronic gyro thing for your phone. It's not that expensive, like 150 bucks. That would be the best investment and it would take the shakiness away and it also acts as a selfie stick. So even if you have the crappiest filmographer with you, they'll look like a professional because with the gimbal, it's going to stay steady the, the entire time. And that really helps with video. You want to make sure that you keep the video. You know, nobody wants to get feel turbulent you know, in the video. So that would be my advice there. Is there a, a mic hack if you're using your phone or do you have to use your cell phone's uh built-in mic. I don't know how that works. So there's a couple of different ways. I'm using the microphone on my iPhone right now to talk to you. I think they work really well. I think that there are hacks for that. You can get a lavalier mic and that's just a 
you know, a mic that would clip to your collar, your shirt, and then it just has a really long cord on it. So I have one of those for my cell phone. It has like a 20 foot cord on it. I mean, I have, I did a 30 day YouTube challenge in March of last year. We did, I did a video every single day. It was a day in the life. And some of them were like more vlogging and some of them were how to's and some of them were walkthroughs. But the point was I did a video every single day for 31 days straight. Every single one was done on my iPhone. I did the whole series filming with my cell phone. I learned so much about what I couldn't accomplish with a cell phone and so much about what I could accomplish with a cell phone. But the point was, is that it was challenged to me that I couldn't do it let alone with a cell phone. And I think the challenge was like, you know, you couldn't do a video for 30 days. And then and I said, yeah, I'll do it. And I'll also, I'll do it all on my iPhone. And so that's what we did. Lavalier mic, tripods. I would say when you're just doing good video, have good lighting. And you can get one of these LED up lights. It's like a 12 by 12 square with like, I don't know, 300 little LEDs in there. It's got dimmers on the back to change the tone of the light. I would say just have good lighting. Uplighting is better than downlighting when you're talking. You don't want to have a shadowy face. As long as just simple basics, just basics. You know what I mean? Like watch YouTube videos and see what you like. Like you don't like watching. You know what kind of videos you don't like watching. And it's usually the formatting or something that they're doing. Like, oh, it's too dark. It's weird. I don't want to watch this. You just turn it off. So I think it's just reverse engineering what you already like and not overcomplicating things. Okay, man, this is a bunch, a bunch in an hour, but I learned a lot. I'm sure our listeners did as well. All right, let's let's wrap it up there. It's so much more to talk about, but we may have to do a follow up to this. Well, yeah, I would. Yeah, I, I'm sorry. I just keep rambling. But yeah, um, I can't express how appreciated I am of the opportunity to share what I've learned. And I'm learning things every day. You know, it's it's never ending. It's never stopping. But I really wanted to just drive home those experienced contractors out there that, you know, don't sell yourself short. You have a lot to share and a lot to give. And even if you don't need to do the social media thing for business, maybe something's calling on you to give back. And it's such a cool way to give back. When you get those messages from people about how you've changed their business by something you said or whatever, it's a really big compliment. Because a lot of experienced general contractors are going to hear this and be like, yeah, that's great. I got a Rolodex of clients. I'm okay. You know, but sometimes giving back, it's a really easy way to give back. Yeah. You got a great message you're putting out there. Bob, I appreciate you coming on. No problem. I appreciate you having me. 